This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And your old friend right here, the old, uh, well, you're wait, not wait, so wait, wait, old. No, I know, I know. You're the old sous chef. I am, I you're, am. And right. and like Stanley was saying on the phone yesterday, for a guy who doesn't garden, you have learned a lot. I, you know I have. Yes. I have indeed. He said, you know, might, you've been absorbing this stuff, I whether you know it or not. I might some more of that wondrously gained <laughs> knowledge throughout this show. Let's everybody, you know, be careful. Uh oh, grain of salt. Yeah, Frank right? Proctor here. Nice to be along with Charlie again as we say hi to all uh, all the regular folks. And we do have new listeners, uh, you know, do every we? now and again. How do you know? Well, uh, I've just noted we have at least a first time caller coming up very shortly. Could be somebody okay. who listens all the time. Yeah, that's right. Just that's right. Called early. Yeah. and is going to call often. Well, let me just go over the rules then. Okay, <laughs> get the phone numbers on the air, Charlie. All right, if you're in the Toronto area, call this number, please. Four 416-360-0740 or anywhere else in the province it is toll free 1-866-740-4740 our little mantra goes this away call early call often one question per call and if you're a uh, first-time caller, as I'd indicated, please let Sebastian know. And when you come to the air, this will precede you. <laughs> a little that's bell, you're welcoming wings, you're, as it were. Well, that's right. You get wings. Yeah, uh, right. Uh, right. Did you do the numbers? Was I just not uh, listening? Yes, I did the okay, numbers. Okay, I wasn't listening. My my, <laughs> You're bad. Mistake. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking at all these events that are going oh, on. Oh, Lord, did you get a ream of them, folks. So I better mm. talk fast. Okay. Uh, but I was noticing what a gorgeous couple of days we've got coming. And today, look, yeah. blue, blue sky. I know. Really and nice. And 16 degrees expected. And I still have work, as we all do, work in our gardens, yeah. whether it's leave leaf cleanup or, in my right. case, I'm still getting around to planting garlic. So, um, yes, Weather looks really good. If you're caught up in your garden chores and you want to uh-huh. get out today, there between 3 o'clock and 6 o'clock, there will be a peaceful march in support of the Standing Rock Sioux Nation. The march begins at Queen's Park and ends at the U.S. Consulate. It's, it's all about the, um, the Dakota Access Pipeline mm-hmm. and First Nations having a say in the use of the land. And, of course, we know the impacts, environmental impacts, potentially, from the kind of construction that pipelines take uh, uh, cause. So tomorrow, the Toronto Japanese Garden Club will be presenting demonstrations of both Ikebana and bonsai at the Centennial Greenhouse Chrysanthemum Festival. Our horticulturalist on the go, Stanley, called me to say that this year there will be over 1,500 chrysanthemums in bloom, including all kinds of unusual varieties. All 13 classes are represented this year, and I was hoping I might be able to twist Frank's arm uh, for the two of us to go out there and ha- take a peek after the show, but we'll have to see how our schedules are today. But it, this does go on right till the end of November. Yes. And yeah. there are, at, at, 
at the uh, Centennial Greenhouses, and they also have a very special uh, Remembrance Day event with this massive poppy mm-hmm. that Stanley makes out of red chrysanthemum flowers. Wow. Located at 151 Elmcrest Road in Etobicoke, open every single day of the year from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Free, obviously, and free parking. So, Tuesday, November 8th, 7.30 p.m., the Scarborough Garden and Hort Society is hosting their annual general meeting and free presentation, Getting Ready for Christmas, by Sheridan Nurseries. Refreshments are included. Guests are welcome. The Scarborough Village Community Centre is where they meet, 3600 Kingston Road and Markham Road. Then on Sunday, November the 13th, uh, the Toronto Rhododendron Society invites you to a special afternoon. Steve Hootman of the Rhod- Rhododendron Species Botanical Garden in Washington State will be speaking on Rhododendrons in the Wild, Highlights of Plant Hunting in Asia and Beyond. Steve is one of the world authorities on rhododendrons and will lead us into remote regions of the world as he searches for rare and new rhodos and other plants that are threatened with extinction. Wow, that sounds really interesting. Yeah, it is, yeah. particularly if you're interested in rhododendrons. I mean, they're gorgeous, they're just, and there's so many unusual ones. We just know the standard ones. So the lecture's at 2 o'clock on Sunday the 13th, Studio One at the Toronto Botanical Gardens, 777 <clears throat> Excuse me, Lawrence Avenue East at Leslie. Okay. And yes. I just okay. One more. She, well, we had a really nice tweet from one of our listeners. Uh, she listens from London, England, and she sent out a big heart uh, attached to a tweet with a bunch of hashtags like, you know, happy gardening and uh, ha- positive vibes, and just says. Uh, Hashtag the garden show, hashtag podcast, like a virtual hug down the wires. <laughs> Isn't that nice? I know. Hey, that's terrific. Sweet. I do have a, uh, an update uh, from last week, but I'll get to that later in the show. Okay, I'll make sure we squeeze some time out for that for sure. Meantime, at uh, 8.13, we better take a little bit of a break here because Daniela is waiting on the line, a first-time caller. We will come right to you, Daniela, after these words on Zoomer Radio. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And let's see if my old bell-ringing arm is in good shape here. Just a minute. Oh, nice. There you are. Daniela, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. Good morning, morning. to both of you. <laughs> thank you for the bell. <laughs> Just an FYI, I am a first-time caller, but one who's been trying for more than four months. Wow. Hey, you're kidding. Wow. No, wow. I have. I'm not an early riser, so mm. this morning uh, the squirrels woke me up trying to tear their place <laughs> to get into my living room. Excellent. <laughs> so, so you're up happy, early. You know, I was happy to be, I'm just happy to finally get through. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well... Thank, thank you, you for so calling. Much. I just want to say a shout-out. Thank you for mentioning the rally today at Queen's Park mm. after 3 o'clock for Standing Rock. Mm. There I you posted go. that to social media, and, and it's a very important cause. So thank you Absolutely. very much, Charlie, for doing that. Oh, you're welcome. It's a, there is a Facebook page on it as well. Yes, there is. Yeah. That's where I was on last night. Oh, and good. I post, reposted to mine. Oh, nice. And, yeah, and, my daughter Twitter. posted Pardon me? My daughter posted that we would be mentioning the one on the show today as well. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. I didn't read that. So yeah. thank you very much yeah, for welcome. that. That's good. amazing. Good so I know you've got a lot of callers. Mm-hmm. Quickly to say... I think this is a deep in that I have that I'm calling about. Okay. 
It was originally given to me by my grandmother, and it was just, um, I started it in water. She lived in the U.S., mm-hmm. so she sent it through the mail. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, she Good had time. a habit of sending it in envelopes. started <laughs> about 35 years ago, and it was doing really well in another apartment in the same building I lived in. Mm-hmm. As soon as I moved up here, it started to have problems, and it's just droopy. So this went on for you for quite a few years, the droopiness, and when I repotted it, I noted that the roots had literally wrapped themselves around each other in strangulation. Mm. So I took a great big pot, repotted in the hope that maybe it would go out. It's still alive, mm. but it looks really motley. There are new shoots, and the rest hang over rather than standing straight up, because mm. these things can apparently, I guess, go to about six feet. Well, in the wild, they can actually even get bigger than that, you know, in the tropics and the, the rainforests, et cetera. So, okay, just to clarify, you went from what size pot when you said a big pot? Like, how big of a jump okay. was your pot size? So, uh, it's, <laughs> it should be bigger, probably. I'm looking at something that's about, uh, look, just looking at, I'm sorry, visually about eight, eight inches mm-hmm. across. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it looks like it's eight, eight, possibly 11 or something. Yep, okay. And the depth. Um, and it was a couple of years ago when you went into that pot? Right. Okay, and at the time when you found all those spiraling roots, did you try and unspiral them at all? Like uh, No. Okay. I, they, they were just so tight mm-hmm. that I thought, if I do anything to the roots, I'll just completely kill the plant. You'd be amazed. You can actually do quite a few things to roots. It can be very, very... Um, good for the plant, actually. So here's what I suggest. All right. Number one, if you could take a photograph and email me the photograph, uh, then I can clarify what the plant is. Uh, Assuming it is a Diefenbachia or something that's a fairly tough plant like that, I'm going to recommend that you do a pretty radical repotting, but not now. Um, Now is is a time when we kind of want to leave plants alone. So for now, exactly. Really no water is required. Just leave it in a spot that, if it's in a bright spot, great. If it's in full sun, that's okay too. These are pretty amenable plants in terms of light, but the main thing is, is in the spring, you're going to take it out of that pot. We're going to get out some scissors. We're going to trim roots. We're going to straighten roots. We're going to give it a bigger pot and fresh soil uh, if it's a Diefenbachia. So that's why I just want to double check what it yeah, is. I, I was pretty sure it was a Diefenbachia. And somewhere in those last several months that I've tried to call mm. you, mm. I suddenly was not quite as, as sure. But I, <laughs> but I can take a photo and upload it. But Okay, so you're going to do that. In the meantime, only water when it's bone dry. So that means okay, dry. Yeah. Stick your finger right in in the soil and you water thoroughly when you water water so that you know the soil is saturated but then you'll wait and you could be waiting two three weeks between waterings all right okay. so it's standing right at the window uh, where it does not get direct sunlight okay. but gets sunlight That's and fine. i try to get the light on it as soon as i can in the morning because our days are now getting yeah. shorter as well well like i say they're pretty amenable in terms of light light isn't right. usually a huge problem just be careful there's no overwatering in the meantime because that's what we're most likely to how we're going to kill our houseplants right now is thinking that they need water when they're just not using the qu- the quantities that they were all summer so, yeah, so um, Frank will give the email address just to make sure you've got it and anybody else who'd like to send questions via email or photos because mm-hmm. it's always much easier to diagnose issues that way. Okay. And thank you, you again a, for getting through. Do you have a piece of paper and pencil handy by any chance? Do you find it on the, um, on the site? For the, uh... Maybe. Yeah, well, it's easy to remember, uh, Daniela. So it's C for Charlie, C dot right. Dobbin, D-O-B-B-I-N, at... MZmedia.com. 
Yes, it is. Fairly simple, okay? There we go. Yeah. Thanks again. Thank you, and uh, first-time caller now. Yeah. You're always welcome. Don't be a stranger. The door is always open. Okay. <laughs> the welcome mat yeah. is out. <laughs> All righty, we have to take just a little bit of a break here. Okay. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, here we go, uh, packing it up to Pickering. <laughs> and Josephine, <laughs> welcome to the show. Good morning, Frank and Charlie. How Good. are you? Excellent. Great. How are you? Oh, I'm hanging in, Good. like I'd... everybody else. Good. Um, Paul, I don't know if you recall when I told you about the small amaryllis bulb that came as a side mm-hmm. of the uh, mother plant. Yes. Well, I have three leaves on it now, mm-hmm. and they're 12 inches tall. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing is this. Do I let it die back, or do I let it keep growing? So it's been growing all summer? It, and I took it off, I guess, it, in uh, the end of July. Okay. So it's been growing all summer, mm-hmm. and it's, as I say, the three uh, leaves are... Three feet high, and uh, not three feet. Beg your pardon. Twelve inches. A foot high. Yeah. So what I, you know, what I would do? See, the little bulbs, baby bulbs like that, need to reach a certain size, and that size will indicate a certain level of maturity in order to produce flowers. Right. So because I don't expect flowers. That's right. You've got leaves. What I would do is I would keep growing it as a houseplant. I would not force it into dormancy at all. Let it have those green leaves. Let it grow more green leaves. They will get taller. You'll keep spinning that plant. Keep it in a sunny spot, but keep spinning it 180 degrees every couple of days to keep it straight. And, uh, and that, those green leaves are going to help build the bulb up. And uh, as the bulb builds and gets bigger, it will, as I say, reach a level of maturity so that eventually it can flower. So I, what I would probably do is just keep it growing green from now until next, the end of next summer. Okay. And then of next summer. Yeah, so maybe in about August next summer, what I would do is force it into dormancy at that point by stop watering it, put it in the dark, let the leaves die down, let right. it rest for 10, 10, 11 weeks. Then when you bring it out and water it, hopefully a flower bud will come. It may not. It may be a leafy thing again. But still, I, w- I would keep it going. I'd rather, I'd rather suspect it'll be leafy for the first year. Yeah, oh, yeah probably. It does take a couple of years to, to fatten them up, so to speak. Only about the size of a, a walnut. Yeah, exactly. And you know, when we when we get those really good mm-hmm. size, um, both Frank and I got some lovely yeah. amaryllis from from Carolyn DeVries at Flower Bulbs R Us, and they're massive. I mean, they're the size like a bowling of bowling ball. Uh, yeah, like a small <laughs> really? pumpkin. I mean, they're yeah, exactly. They're good size. So, uh, so the, and we are anticipating a lot of flowers on those bulbs based on the size. So, good luck with that. Let us know how that works out, Josephine. Okay, thank you very much. And at 8.28, let's go to another first-time caller. Just a minute. There we are. Hey, Dennis in Etobicoke. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Hello. Good morning. Morning. Um, All right. Mm. I have a, uh, I guess it's called an emerald cedar tree. Mm -hmm. I planted it about a a year and a half ago, Mm -hmm. and it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It was about five and a half feet tall when I planted it, and it's probably about seven feet tall now. Mm-hmm. And it's got full sunlight. I water it regularly, and I cannot believe how beautiful it is. Mm-hmm. Problem is, 
because of the changes in the fencing and the hedging behind me, uh-huh. I have to move it about three feet. Uh-huh. Well, how do I move a tree <laughs> three feet? Oh, boy. I actually got my husband to move a, a tree six inches one time. He just about <laughs> killed me, but he did it. <laughs> I, was, I, I was listening to you a couple of weeks ago, and I heard you tell a couple of other people to leave it until the spring. I was thinking about doing it in the fall, mm-hmm. and then after I heard you talking to some others about spring being a better time, I sort of left it. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, is that the better time? And I, I, yeah. I, the main thing I'm worried about, I don't want this thing to grow to 8, 9, 10 feet before I grow Right, it. yeah, sooner is better. Well, you know, the thing with an with a emerald cedar and with any transplanting, fall is an excellent time to transplant. There's no question. The, the, soil, the best thing about fall transplanting and planting is that the soil is nice and warm. And when you move or put a plant into warm soil, warm being higher than five degrees Celsius, the roots are very happy and they will grow. Uh They will just grow right away. As soon as you get below five degrees Celsius, roots hunker down and shut down and just stop and wait for warmth. So when we do planting and transplanting in the spring, it takes quite a long time for the soil to warm up to that, you know, six, seven uh, and up kind of degrees. And, um, And so that's why we do love fall for planting and transplanting. Uh, and you know what? It's been mild, and for sure the soil is still warm. Yeah, the, but one of the things I was really worried about um, doing it in the summer when we had it so dry. Oh, yeah, never the in the summer. The ground was so dry, oh, that's why oh, I was leaving it. No, never in the summer. If you're going to plant or transplant, it's it's spring or fall, preferably. No summer. It's just way too stressful on the plant. You're right. It was so dry and windy and hot. The poor plant would have suffered, particularly in full sun. So what I would do, if you want, I mean, you could consider transplanting it today, but a couple of things to consider. One is prepare the hole in advance so that you've got your hole dug depth-wise, Width-wise, you've got some triple mix on hand or some soil amendment on hand. Could be uh, composted manure, could be homemade compost, whatever. Good organic material is important. Um, I'm a pretty big fan of transplanter fertilizers or quick start, something that helps get the roots going. There's something called root booster even. It's just a fertilizer. miracle grow? Is that no, no, that's not. miracle grow is for plants that are already growing. Ah, okay. When you're transplanting, you want a transplanter fertilizer. It's got a high middle number, like a mm-hmm. 10, 15, 10, or 10, 30, 10 kind of high middle number. So have that on hand as well, uh, mixed up in the watering can. Make sure that the cedar is well watered before you consider digging it up. When you do dig it up, lift as big a root ball as you can and try and keep the soil around the roots so that you're going to, you know, sharp shovel all the way around in a circle. You're going to undercut. Uh, if necessary, you're going to have a friend help you so that the two of you can together lift that root ball, move the three feet, place that root ball into the new hole. Don't drop it, place it, <laughs> and make sure that this, the, lev- the soil levels are the same in that process. You're bringing the cedar across. You could even put it in a little bit high because it will sink down. Never plant lower than it was in the prior location. Water thoroughly right away. So you could do that now. You could do that in the spring. Um, if you are doing it now, just make sure that you stay on watering the plant, not every day, but at least every week until we get to free up because you do not want that plant suffering for liquid throughout the the winter is the bottom line all right yes. whoops thanks oh sorry go ahead dennis sorry within the year and a half since i planted mm. have the roots really grown extensively 
They have grown. You will be leaving some of them behind. There is no question you will do root damage in the process and leave some behind. So that's why you want to be very careful with your watering. Okay, uh, but it, making it a bigger opening than normally just to preserve as much, I guess. Is the well, that's right. So if it was in a pot when you bought it, you're going to want to dig your whole, dig the, the root ball out bigger than the, it was when, it, when you planted it. Uh, if it comes out with the pot shape still exactly like it was, then yes, you probably haven't had a lot of root growth. So that's the other reason why you want to use that transplanter or root booster fertilizer is get the roots growing as a priority. Okie doke. Okay. Here it is. Thank Thanks you, for Dennis. That. Yeah. First time caller nice. on the air once again there. And what have we got? 833? Oh, mm-hmm. good. We've got uh, another first time caller here. Roger oh, in Mississauga. getting just, a workout. Just a second there. Oh, you get wings. <laughs> hey, good Roger. Morning. Good morning. Yeah, and thank you for taking my call. Our pleasure. Um, I've got some uh, emerald green, um, evergreen that is, mm-hmm. and um, having problems with the inside. Yeah, a lot of green leaves. The outside still is green, mm-hmm. but the inside leaves, there's a lot of green. What a lot I, of yellow, you mean? Yes, that's yeah. right. Uh, yellow. Are they cedars, do you know, or what are they? I think they're emerald, emerald green cedars yeah. in pots. Probably. Oh, in pots. Yeah. So are you going to get them in the ground for the winter? Um, I can try, but would that prevent it? Well, okay, so the reason you've got the yellow on the inside of the plant is because even though we call them evergreens, they're not actually green forever. (laughs) Cedars actually do hold on to leaves for about three years. So every so three years ago, whatever grew then is now turning yellow very normally and naturally, dropping off, making room for new growth. So your older growth is on the inside, your newer growth is on the outside of the plant. So it's very, very normal to have yellow rusty looking golden uh, leaves and they will often pile up right inside the center of a cedar so you get your gloves on and you comb out that yellow stuff by just with your fingers brushing upwards through the the stems and kind of helping shed some of that uh, material that yellow material from the plant it'll drop to the ground you can clean it up or leave it on the ground it doesn't really matter Um, but for survival purposes it is tough to keep plants alive in pots above ground over the winter yeah but would you uh, sort of put it in the ground outside and then dig it up well so are these kind of in pots like at your front door or something or where are they well, what I've done for the for this, uh, I've got it outdoors right now under my uh, jacuzzi, you know. Uh-huh. Um, so outside under my shed, rather. Um, does that help? Uh, are the pot, how big are the pots? Well, they're about I would say about three feet wide. So they're not the original pots. You transplanted them into some very big planters. Yes. And is this the first year that you've had them? No, I've had it uh, coming on to three years now. Okay. Yeah. And, so, and they have, so they have survived the last couple of winters, no oh, problem. absolutely, yeah. All right. So if you've had good success, then you're probably fine. I guess just the main thing is don't be concerned about the yellow leaves that you're seeing. Just like I said, combing, brushing, uh, shaking, even a broom can sometimes help. Just clear out some of that yellow. And as I mentioned to, the, to Dennis with his cedars, just be sure that you are keeping them thoroughly watered as we get to winter because evergreens never go really dormant in the winter so they continue to lose moisture all winter so sun uh, wind all those kinds of conditions 
help the plant lose moisture. And when the ground is frozen, they can't get any moisture. So it's just really important to ensure that you, you know, make sure it's like an ice cube around the roots before a winter freeze up. Okay. Thanks for your there call. There you go. All righty. Uh, and if you know, you're like uh, our first caller today, Daniela. You've been trying to get for months and months and months. <laughs> All righty. Now would be a Perfect time to give a call. We've You're going to say dandy. A, a dandy, dandy time A dandy time to call. Two lines are open right now. Uh, in Toronto, call 416-360-0740. Anywhere else in the province, 1-866-740-4740. And let's go to, let's see here. Oh, Mississauga, there's Helen. Good morning, Helen. Oh, hi. Morning. Uh, good morning. I just, maybe a little easy question, I hope. Mm-hmm. I have a little tiny, tiny, small uh, Venus flytrap mm-hmm. plant. It's in a little pot, but it's on the windowsill. Mm-hmm. What I'm having the problem with is the very tops of them, mm-hmm. some are green, mm-hmm. but some are turning black. Uh. So they're turning black because they're rotting. Okay. Uh, okay, so when you got that little Venus flytrap, it probably was in a, like had a kind of a plastic dome over top of it. Yes. And that was designed to make it like a little mini terrarium. Oh. Uh, Venus flytraps are naturally found in the rainforest, in the shade, in high humidity, uh, tucked into little nooks and crannies. That's kind of how they grow. Oh, okay. So having it in the window may be more light than it wants, not to mention more dryness than it wants. Okay. Uh, How long have you had it? Um, just about, oh, I guess about a month and a half. Okay. But what we did was we just took the little plastic thing off, mm-hmm. sat it in its own little dish mm-hmm. inside another little dish mm-hmm. on the windowsill. Mm-hmm. And I said to my husband, I wonder if the window is radiating a little cold. Potentially. It. And it will as winter comes for sure. Yeah. yeah. And I thought maybe it didn't like that. Now, we had them years ago, but mm-hmm. it was a bigger plant mm-hmm. and didn't have any problem with it. And I have to tell you, the laugh was, the little tiny thing that it was, we had some fruit flies and I couldn't get rid of them. <laughs> and it caught them. I know. They're, <laughs> they're, they don't call them carnivorous plants for nothing. Yeah. That's exactly what they do. But there was a, there was a number of them closed and mm. you could see inside and mm. I said, oh, I hate to be nasty, but mm. it was nice that it did that. I know. They they close over the, th- the little tiny flies yeah. and then they proceed to use enzymes to digest the insects. Mm, sounds so, yummy. So they don't like <laughs> chew them. They don't have teeth yeah. or anything, but they, they dissolve the insect and... Uh, absorb all their nutrients. It's pretty cool. All right, so what uh, what direction does the window face? Pardon? What direction does the window face? Um, oh, sort of uh, a little bit east. Morning sun? A little maybe northeast. Well, we get the morning coming yeah. in there, kind of, but not not too intense. It's indirect. Yeah. Okay. So you know what I would do? You've got the little cover or you could make a bit of a mini cover just to maybe raise your humidity. Or the other thing is place the plant, make one of those pebble trays. So just get a little shallow container that's yeah. bigger than the pot it's the plant is in. Yeah. Fill some 
gravel or pebbles in the bottom, sit the Venus flytrap on top of the pebbles or gravel, fill the tray with water so that there's constantly water evaporating around the plant. And I would, as particularly as we get colder, I'd pull the plant back away from the window so that it's not in direct contact, even, you know, even if it's as much as a foot away from the window. It will like the bright. It does not need direct sun, but it does need humidity and it does like warmth for sure. Okay. All right. So that. Very good. Well, let us know how that all works out. Yeah. Absolutely, Helen. Thank you so much for joining us. 8.40 the time here on The Garden Show with Charlie Dubbin and yours truly, Frank Proctor. We'll be along to have a word with Mary in Waterloo in just a moment, right after these words on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, welcoming first-time caller Jerry from Lockport, New York. Hi, Jerry. Hey, hey, Frank and Charlie. How's your garden grow? <laughs> Very <laughs> well. How's that yours? That doesn't count as a question, does it? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> you keep going. You're fine. <laughs> I got this uh, dyed wood mulch that I bought about six months ago mm-hmm. in bulk. Mm-hmm. Not in the bags, and I put it around my shrubs and stuff. And now I'm looking at it underneath; it's got like a white mold. Mm-hmm. Should I be removing it now or in the spring? Uh, okay, so the reason you've got the white mold, it, it probably has nothing to do with the dye. It is an or- the the wood mulch is obviously an organic material, and we've had a fair amount of rain, and things are cooling down. Days are getting shorter, and mildews and fungus takes advantage of dark, moist conditions. So uh, that's what you've got. You've got some mildew, if you will, starting the process of decomposing your wood mulch. The thing you could do if it bothers you is stir it around. We just use a rake or a cultivator. Make sure this wood mulch is not touching any of the plants. It's just around the plants okay. because you don't want to share any fungal diseases with plants. You want to keep them as clean and clear as you can. But two to four inches deep. Um, the What color was the dye? Black. Was it black? Yeah. So the and and it, the black will also fade. They all the dyes, all mulches fade in the sun, dyed or not. They do get lighter in color, but um, in the sun, of course, they're going to fade due to the UV, and then just age, they will also fade. So stir it around if if you want to just get some of the mildewy stuff up onto the surface and get some of the cleaner stuff down below. You'll find that the the mildew will not grow on the surface the way it does below. Okay. So thank you. yeah, I wouldn't worry about it. Okay. All right. You guys have a great weekend. Thank Same you. Same you, Jerry. too. Yeah, all the very best. And good luck on Tuesday. Oh, I wasn't <laughs> going to say anything. Huge day. Yeah, I know. Good luck I to everybody. Help. I could not help myself. Uh, in Waterloo, there's Mary. <laughs> Hi, Mary. Welcome to the show. Oh, hello, Frank and Charlie. How are you? Good morning. Great. How are you? Good morning. Thank you. Charlie, I'd like to ask you what I should be doing after my orchid has dropped its flowers. Well, have you still got a green stem standing up? Uh, it, it's kind. It's getting kind of withered. All right. So what happens is I, I never like to cut the green stem off until it truly withers. So it uh-huh. does gets it eventually turns brown, uh, eventually even black, but it does start to shrivel. Uh-huh. So just follow it down. You can trim anything withered. If it's withered right to the bottom, trim it right off from the point from where it came off the, the main stem of the orchid. Mm-hmm. And enjoy the leaves. 
continue to water as necessary. Make sure you're using your spritzer or some method of keeping the humidity as high as you can around the orchid. Uh-huh. Uh, I would cons- I would use a weak solution of orchid fertilizer once a month, uh, all year round. Mm-hmm. You know, keep it in a bright, indirect sun. Nor- it loves a northern window or an eastern window. I've but got an east window. Yeah, but not touching the glass, but in that kind of nice, bright, soft light. Uh-huh. And you'll find it will, it, if you can keep it happy and properly watered and humid, it will uh, shoot up another flower. In a couple of months' time? or D- It depends how much energy is in the plant, sort of how happy it is in general. Uh-huh. Uh, some people are able to keep orchids almost flowering nonstop. Others of us find we do have a delay of a couple of months in between flowering. So it's uh, but you know, the fertilizer will make a difference and good care makes a difference as well. Okay, thank you so much, Charlie. Thanks for calling. Thanks, Mary. And uh, here we are on the Garden Show on a beautiful Saturday morning. Look at the sky out there. It's absolutely gorgeous. Not a cloud. Not a cloud. (laughs) Well, okay. Let me see. We've got Pat in uh, Grafton next up. Hi, Pat. Good morning. Good morning, and thank you for taking my call. Good morning. I just have a really quick question. Mm-hmm. I have a beautiful balloon plant, purple mm-hmm. one, mm-hmm. and it are you there. Yep. Yep. Oh, and it has been blooming. I wouldn't surprise if I went out this morning and found a little bloom on it. Um, when I first planted it, it got about oh maybe twelve, fourteen inches tall. Was nice in the spot. Mm. Now it's like three feet tall <laughs> and it's in the wrong place right. in my garden yep can i move it now or should i wait till spring well the rule of thumb when we're transplanting and you might if you were listening from the beginning i was you yes. um we've talked a bit about transplanting with um you know with dennis in etobicoke for what you want is to do any transplanting um, at the latest in the fall, where there is still a four to six week window between your process of transplanting and the a really serious frost, so okay. uh, like a, a, a killer frost. We've had some very light frost, but a killer frost means you know minus five, minus six kind of overnight yeah. temperatures. So as long as you can sort of look for look at the weather forecast for the next month and be comfortable that you, you're going to have a good four-week window for the, some roots to get established, go for it. Transplant it today. It's a perfect day to be in the garden. Yeah, I'm not sure we're going to get six weeks. <laughs> well, even four. And the trick with balloon flower, too, is make sure you stake, put a stake where you plant it because it's very late to come up in the spring. And it's very easy to forget it's there and, you know, be stepping on mm-hmm. it or something like that. So make sure you mark where you've put it. Okay. Uh, all righty. Thank you Pat. very much, Pat. And before we take a, another little break here, uh, you have some homework that you had done. Uh, well, actually, it was week. done for me. Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. Remember last week, Sandra wondered about overwintering her Japanese wonder flower? Right, you are. Well, Tess Gomez or Gomes writes mm-hmm. via email that she always listens to the show and she's learned many helpful tips from the show. And now she wants to suggest one. And she says a listener, and of course this is Sandra, asked about Japanese wonder flowers, also known as Mirabilis jalapa or Marvel of Peru or plain old mm-hmm. four o'clock. Mm-hmm. So those are all the same plant. Uh, Tess has had them for years in her garden. She saves the black seeds in color-marked envelopes because they do come in many colors. Mm-hmm. And then she pl- she just scatters the seeds in the spring. 
and she finds that many self-seed as well. So and they, and they can actually be considered invasive. They'll come up all over the place from seed. So it, in terms of lifting, remember those carrot-like roots? They're like purple yeah. mm-hmm. carrot-like roots that Sandra was wondering whether she could lift them. And you can. You can lift them and overwinter them and bring them indoors, treat them like you would a dahlia, or just collect some seeds and go from there. There you go. Simple, right. simple. Thank you very much. And we'll be along with our callers continuing to answer their questions. Will Charlie? Uh... Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Uh, Charlie, uh, I've got to make a quick correction here. <laughs> I've been looking at the clock that we, you know, do our uh, work from here in the studio, and the son of a gun, they've already done the change, the fallback. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because uh, uh, tonight and, we gain an hour, right? Yeah. We, this is a 25-hour day. And without thinking, I've been giving you, it's eight-something. Yep. Well, it, it's nine-something. Yeah. Tomorrow it'll be eight-something. That's right. So we're just a day ahead here. So there you go. Okay. Sorry for the confusion. 9.54, so we better get along uh, here to Ron in Niagara. Good morning, Ron. Morning. Morning. We've uh, decided that we're going to picket uh, Moses Zimer until he gives you two hours. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Send That's emails. Good. Okay. Start a petition. Uh, but my question is, I have, my son gave me uh, a small olive tree mm-hmm. in the spring, mm-hmm. and we've had it outside through the summer. Mm-hmm. It's done wonderfully. Nice. But now we brought it in and it's starting to lose all its leaves. Should mm-hmm. I be worried or what should I do? It's a bit of a tricky one. I've tried growing that olive tree because my son loves olives, so I bought one for him years ago. And I don't think I was successfully was able to bring it inside either. But bottom line is I would – I mean I can do a little more research on this if you like. But outside you had it in the sun, right? It was in a sunny location? Sunny location and uh, got lots of moisture. Yeah, so try and give it as close as you can as the same kind of conditions inside the house. Of course, cutting back on the moisture and recognizing that you are giving it less light as soon as you bring it inside the house. So the southern window, if you've got one, water thoroughly when you water. Do not fertilize uh, and let it dry down between waterings. If it is losing some leaves, just you know recognize that's very common plants respond to shorter days uh, and sort of cross your fingers. And in the meantime, like I said, I'll, I'll double check if there's any other sort of magical things. Mist, if you can. I, I do like those spritzers. So many of the tropical plants do not like the, the dryness in our homes and they like that humidity we had all summer. So uh, a pebble tray below or, you know, a mist or a spritzer uh, at least a couple times a day might help with the transition indoors as well. All right. Okay, Ron, uh, we've got time uh, for at least one more caller. And wouldn't you know, it's a first-time caller. Oh, hey, Beverly in Georgetown. Of Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie and Frank. I have a quick question. I have an orchid mm-hmm. that I, uh, when I bought it, it was flowering. Mm-hmm. The stems that the flowers were on, mm-hmm. um, they, they stayed green once the flowers fell yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. But now they're they're showing two leaves on the stems. So cute. So they do that sometimes. What they're doing is they're going to grow little baby orchids off that stem. Oh, wow. If you leave it long enough, what will happen is you will start to see little roots coming from below where those 
those leaves are. Okay. And at that point, you will have to decide whether you want to keep those little babies and you will sever them from the mother with a sharp little pair of scissors and have a, some orchid bark or whatever the media is that your orchid's growing in now. Okay. It could, you know, typically it is a bark-based, uh, it's not soil, uh, so it's a, quite a chunky um, whatever the media is. You'll sever those little babies and give them their own little tiny pots and grow them up into bigger orchids. Oh, good. Yeah. All right. So they're, they won't die. Not if you look after them. If you leave them there forever and ever, they're going to get so heavy because, they, you know, in a year or two, you'll have to sever them. They will sever themselves because uh-huh. they will just start to lean down as they would in nature. Uh-huh. The weight of them will bring them down in contact with su- the mm-hmm. ground and they will start to root into the ground. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank, thank you, you, Beverly. Very much. You're very uh, you welcome. know, um, we maybe can squeeze one more in if we can. Okay. If we talk really yeah. fast. All right. Oh, all right. No, we don't have oh, anybody. Oh. No, you and I have to. Yeah. You know what? Tell us about Florida. Oh well. You no, know, we want to know. We just want to like be jealous. Well, alrighty. Uh, flew down on Tuesday, mm-hmm. and uh, just for four days. Aren't you the jet setter? Oh, I know. Just but, like uh, what took a toothbrush and a speedo and went right. <laughs> well, surely uh, my girlfriend usually goes down there for two weeks in November. I was able to squeak out four days, and that was just lovely. Mm. The weather was absolutely incredible, and of course I couldn't help talking to folks about next Tuesday upcoming. Yes. And uh, you've got to be careful, though. <laughs> I was going to say. How you broach this. I'm you know, surprised uh, saying, you Hey, you must be excited to, you know. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. I think everybody just wants it to get and done. And that's exactly get the it point. Over with. Without exception. Yeah, it was, yeah. God, Enough. we just want this thing over with. It's too long. Oh. I, you know, you've got to admire the, the Canadian system. What, yep. what is it? 40 days or something. Yeah, yeah. So we talk about elections and we, you know, this yammer, yammer about debates oh. and things. But this has gone on for like a year and a half. Yep. So yeah. that I think it's too much. I think we're all tired of it. And, and the entire world, actually, is probably a bit tired. The, the, one, the one comment that a lot of people are coming up with is, you know, of what, 350 million people in well, the United States? Let's These are the go two there. we've got, you know. Yeah. But that's honestly, that's what, what's yeah. being said. Anyway, more on that a little bit later on this But afternoon. your weather was great. And yeah, you, it was you, beautiful. You, did you get in the ocean or were you just poolside? No, just poolside. Oh, okay. Yeah, they lost a lot of beach in, the, in that particular area, about a half an hour north of, or pardon, yeah, north of uh, Fort Lauderdale. Oh, uh, wait, wait recently? Yeah, they got through with the hurricane. Remember the hurricane yeah. that came through? Matthew? They, yeah, uh, uh, see, I can't remember The now. one that was like a month yeah, ago? Yeah, yeah. that was Matthew. They didn't lose um, sand on the beach in that, but in subsequent uh, mm. days they have. Oh, interesting. Or, yeah, just, just kind of weird, yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, sand's anyway, always moving around. Never mind, the pool was great. Oh, there you go. All right, well, thank you, Frank. You We're going to get out and catch a little breakfast on this blue and sunny day. And uh, thank you, Sebastian. Couldn't do it without all your help. And thanks to all our great callers, particularly those first-time callers. Yes, exactly. Don't be a stranger. Coffee's always on. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.